What's up, everybody? It's Chris Stinman. You know that. <clears throat> hey, guys, it's Chris, and uh, ready for some We Are Live action coming up real quick. I just got to tell you about some people that make the show and all of our fun events possible. Come out. We got $1,000 karaoke challenge this 3rd, 5th, 10th, and 12th of March. Very excited about that. Jack Daniels, Tennessee Apples, helping us put that on. It's going to be held at 1860s Saloon in the game room. So come out. You can win 1000 bucks. It's free to enter. You can sign up online through the Facebook event. Come out. Hang out. It'll be a blast. Other things happening. March 28th, Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey making target practice workouts. A very fun event. If you've never been, it's our signature comedy show. I'll be hosting that. Uh, we've got eight comics plus one comic opening up. Our friend Jovan Bibbs. You're going to see some great matchups where people roast pop culture topics. Oh, man. St. Louis. A um, bunch of different stuff. And in the finals, uh, the comics have to roast each other. So always a good time. You can get tickets through Metro Ticks. Just search out Target Practice. Looking forward to that March 28th. Weekly comedy at Sophie's. That's uh, right here in Grand Center. 3224 Locust on the second floor. Weekly comedy series. Free to get in. Come out. Have some fun. Every Thursday, kicks off around 6 o'clock. Special start at 4. Schlafly and Jack Daniels specials all night long. Other things happening. Oh, our friends at St. Louis Counseling Services. Mental Health Matters is their podcast. But guess what? They're a full-service counseling agency as well. Check out stlouiscounseling.org online for more information. Also, our friends at gatewaypowdercoat.com. Check out Gateway Powder Coating for the number one resource for powder coating in the Midwest. Also, a couple big shout-outs to all of you guys for checking out uh, last week's episode with Jamie Fritz. We're going to have a full schedule. Lots of great guests here in the uh, coming weeks, months, forever, right? Uh, so be sure to support all those who support us. And big thanks to Tech Electronics for the studio love. And uh, plenty to get to, but uh, enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Chris Denman. It's We Are Live, live from Midco Studio in Grand Center in St. Louis, Missouri. Thank you for checking out the show. Very special guest today. You've probably heard his smart-ass mouth a few times on the radio show. My friend Thatcher came in, owner of Taste Media Group in Chicago. Maybe I shouldn't start off like that. If we're going to be professional, maybe I should give you like more of a, hey, this is a hardworking entrepreneur and he's a friend to all. Is that better? No, you can start with Cubs fan. I mean, that's yeah. um, unapologetic Cubs fan, I think. That's definitely fair enough, Chris. But yeah, while I'm uh, obviously gained some notoriety through your platform over the years, discussing uh, my thoughts on the Cubs, I am actually a functioning uh, member of society in some respects. So uh, like you said, uh, owning and operating Taste Media Group for over 10 years now, a video production company here in Chicago, focusing on uh, full-service video production, motion graphics, and live streaming for clients. Um, and so I appreciate your time here. I, I'm home. I'm, I'm out of the office. No distractions, Chris. So I'm really looking forward to diving into this conversation with you. Wow. That's a that's a nice pull there, man. What's scarier? Like knowing that you've been in a super crazy ever-changing like media space for 10 years like this is what you you go to school at mizzou and you 
you have a bunch of dreams, I'm sure. Is this exactly what you wanted to do? Or is this still pretty scary and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Do you ever feel like that? I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. So like, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I, I think that obviously uh, coming out of school, my father was in advertising and was a photography rep for a long time. And so he ran his own business. And so the idea of running my own business, I never wanted to do it because I just didn't want to deal with the stuff that they had to deal with at the time. And so just for a quick reference, uh, back in the day, if you were a photographer uh, and, and you needed and you wanted to have your work seen, you needed an actual agent basically to walk into the large uh, agencies in Chicago and, and present your work. And they would put the work on a wall. It was called a wall show. And, um, that, and the, the creative directors would walk by the wall. And that was like the pinnacle for a photographer. That was like you're on your way to for success, which just kind of shows you how much things have changed to your point, Chris. But I think that um, all you can do is prepare these days. I mean, you just got to be prepared and you have to follow what's going on and, and where the market's at. Because a lot of times where the actual market is at is not really where the technology is at. And so understanding where the technology can go, but understanding where your clients are at, I think is a really good perspective to keep in, keep in mind um, that, you know, with, with where things are going to be going. I mean, for myself, I'm 37 right now. And so I had my company and just always kind of been thought of, I think is more of a digital, you know, almost back in the day, they call it new media producer. Um, but now that, you know, I've been doing this for a while, I kind of see myself kind of that middle, a, that middle where there's definitely younger talent out there that's coming out there just as hungry as I was when I started. And there's still older, uh, you know, legacy production companies that are out there that, you know, still have the relationships. And so ultimately when you're thinking about being in media, as much as it, as it is in our business, it is the video, the piece of video, the piece of content that we're delivering to clients. It's the whole 360 experience. So it's all the way from the initial email or call to us, to the interactions, to the project management, to the client management, to delivering the product, uh, making sure the editing process goes as smooth as possible, uh, to when you actually send the invoice and then have to email the client politely and ask them to pay the invoice after uh, 60 days. So, you know, it is the whole process that is your actual product these days. So it's not just the content that you are delivering. I, I honestly, I see a lot, and this is going from, and when I say creatives, I'll say people, I'll say dudes that shoot videos on their iPhone up to, and I'm not sliding people when I say that, but like we say it's a younger person who's like a comic trying to put the stuff up on iPhones or, or even up to people who are on TV and movies and things like that. It always amazes me how little they know and how little now that, or let me put it this way they don't realize how much they have to be involved at every single level. I mean, they can bring in somebody like you to take care of um, some amazing videos, right? But then who's going to chop those up? Who's going to put the, put their comedic timing on it? And I'm just, I do a lot of stuff with comics. So I'm, I'm putting it to that thing. You could say it for business or anything else, but you're so right when you say like, you have to do all those things. But I think that also falls on clients too, even knowing what they want to a degree, or at least knowing how to tell you what they want. That amazes me sometimes because that's not just a low level thing. There's, there's people that are very busy and you have experience. We'll have to talk about this working with pretty notable people and what the work that goes into even just maintaining an active YouTube channel 
is insane. Well, yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about distribution, and that's kind of what you're mentioning here. So, you know, I've always stayed away from distribution. Um, you know, I have relationships with people. I could, and let me back up a little bit. About 60% of our business comes through agencies. So to your point, a lot of that legwork and that heavy lifting, our agency partners do a great job with their clients. So by the time it gets to us, it's somewhat vetted and we're more of an execution partner. That's now with our direct clients, obviously we're taking the project from A to Z. So that's a different cadence to that type of conversation. But um, when it comes to the actual distribution, I've kind of stayed away from that. Um, my partner, Jonathan Barnes with Population Science out of Kansas City, they can handle the actual distribution, the OTT, the digital video, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, to your point, the days of organic reach, the days that you're just going to kind of hit that algorithm right and be okay are kind of over. I mean, I, but, but people can still do it, but it takes a lot more work now. It takes a lot more content to come out to produce. And so you, you really have to kind of not pick your lane. I think, again, you should understand the process and be able to speak to the process to clients, but then know exactly what your value is in that process. And then that's where you're able to really service the market. So as a videographer, say you have somebody that's coming into it, right? Just to, what would be the first piece of knowledge that you would drop on somebody? Is it, is it your equipment? Is it knowing what direction you're even going? Is it even just get right financially first? Like what are you telling somebody that's trying to do something similar to what you have? Now, if they're at point A and you're at, you know, W. So, yeah. So I, I think you have to ask, the first question is, what is your desired deliverable? What do you want out of this exercise, out of this production? And then to that point, how can we kind of reverse engineer that and see like, can we get that deliverable in one day worth of budget? Can we get multiple deliver multiple deliverables? What are your strongest channels? Are you using this for sales? Are you using this for social media? Are you using this for awareness are you using this for a one-time maybe a convention or a, a sales or a presentation uh, when you look at larger companies their internal communications departments are very expansive these days they're they're very um just in producing almost as much content for their employees sometimes as they are for public facing uh consumption so it's really about understanding their their outcome before you even start with anything else and you know the idea of equipment I think this day, like, I'm not romantic about my what we do. I mean, I, I know that, you know, we have nice equipment. Do we have the nicest, you know, $60,000, $75,000 cameras? No, we don't. But I know that our process is solid and that our product is solid. And so, you know, I'm not really going to be focusing on that too much. I really just want to understand what the client wants out of this, out of their production and, and the value for their money. That, that's so interesting to me too. Like that, I, I'm sure a lot of people run into trouble that um, are camera people by trade, right? They're not going to necessarily know. They're going to have that. They're going to be like, I just want to shoot, but then they want to do their own thing. Well, if you don't want to be told what to do, you have to know how to kind of navigate all those other paths too. That's that's overwhelming. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean that's why I've always kind of been. The I, I mean, if you want to equate it to corporate role, like I'm a I'm basically a project manager. Um, I, I have the technical skills to use a camera. I sometimes shoot a B camera um, when we're on location. Uh, you know, people might say, "Oh, you're a, you're a cameraman," which is totally fine. But you know, I'm, I'm not even really a cameraman uh, 99% of the time. 
So, uh, you know, and I haven't edited for probably 10 years. So, um, you know, we have the people, the processes in place. And, you know, if you're really running a business um, these days, especially in the technical creative field, and the more majority of your time is spent with, with clients on the phone, uh, crafting emails, just in communications, uh, you really should not be in the weeds on the technical side. I think it's one of the big mistakes that a lot of creatives that try to go into this make is that they still want to be like hands-on technical. And you're going to be able to find people that are better than you at that specific niche within your workflow right. and hire them and, and you and utilize their skills because your time's really not worth it to get into the weeds on that. And that's a tough thing to, to separate yourself from too, I'm sure. I'm sure you see that all the time. As far as, uh, so I know you work on a ton of corporate projects, different things like that. As far as getting, like getting started, did this start off with, hey, I think I could shoot um, you know, a technical training video for a large company, or did this start off more on the? I, I don't. I I almost want to say creative side. Where were you interested in TV shows, film? Where did you kind of? What sparked this? Like, what creative endeavor? Or was it just, hey, I'm into this, and I think I can get some enough budget to do a good job? Well, yeah. So I think the the a, a lot of things changed during the recession. And there was a lot of splintering off and it was right around the time the technology was kind of becoming more commoditized. And so, you know, what I really, you know, graduating from Mizzou, I, I like news. I came to Chicago. I worked as a production assistant for six months. I worked for a year and a half for WCIU, which is just got, um, just became a CW affiliate in Chicago, but it, it's one of the few remaining, if not one of three, I think, uh, independent television stations. So I kind of created their digital video online for their website. Again, this was, and we didn't have news. So we were producing more like uh, uh, magazine type content yeah. uh, for their website. From there, I had a startup in 2008-ish um, uh, that we raised some capital for. So I left WCIU, did, did the startup. Um, you know, it was about a three-year term sheet we had and the recession hit. And one day the money, you know, that we were, and we were, meeting all of our goals with, with what we were trying to create. It was a startup revolving around cooking content at the time. And um, when that ended, um, you know, I just really didn't have any opportunities because there was no, um, you know, there weren't, there weren't jobs right then and there. And so, but I did have relationships and I was, and I was lucky that at a younger age coming to Chicago uh, and meeting people and just knowing people, that's really how, you know, people started reaching out and we were able to, to kind of you know get things going off the off the bat and very organically and very scalable um, way, so that you know you were never really bringing on investors for Taste Media Group. We were never uh, you know having to take out massive loans for equipment. I mean, you just kind of bootstrapped it and, and tried to get things going uh, during that time, which was a lot different. And I mentioned the recession because at the time in Chicago, I, I'm going to say you know there's maybe five or six large production companies, and those all. Basically, I think there's one left now. And so there was a real splintering of, of people leaving producers. They had specific clients. The clients would usually go with the producer, just things of those nature when it comes to actual Chicago production, which, um, you know, it is a corporate heavy town, just given our location uh, to O'Hare, all the businesses that are here. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of work here um, just in regards to video and being able to use those core, those core skills that you learned at Mizzou is, you know, storytelling, um, you know, correct, uh, 
you know, just, just ways to build video, build stories via video, which is the same technique you use in news reporting um, that you do in, in creating, you know, messaging pieces for corporations and companies. That's man. It is so crazy too. I'm sure it doesn't feel like 10 years has passed, but as far as other projects that you're working on, you can see on uh, the taste media group, Instagram, uh, there's a, and on your LinkedIn, you, you have uh, Jennifer Hudson popping up here and there. That to me has always been interesting. Um, for those that don't know, can you shed a little bit of a light on the relationship? And then obviously that's gone well. You guys have worked together for a long time. And it's she's a unique case too because she's somebody that comes out of um, out of a, a t an award show or the what a reality show, right? The uh, American Idol, yeah. American Idol, and, and that was when American Idol was getting you know twenty five to thirty million viewers. Right. Um, and so, you know, obviously, uh, working with Jennifer for this long, I mean, I think she's the best voice talent of our generation, just pure talent. If you look at the situations that she's put in where she's asked to deliver a song in a moment and she needs to be present in that moment and understand the, that it's not only about her delivering that song, but it's about the moment. Um, just recently, we were at the All-Star Game for Kobe Bryant. You look at these types of situations that she's put in, and she delivers every time. And it's it's just amazing to just be a fly on the wall and, and see this talent just be given a platform and how she's able to perform. And then also with her acting, um, and, and, you know, she's really in also Broadway. She did Color Purple as well as the main um, star on that show a couple of years ago. Um, so she's just lives for the moment and she's not phased by anything. And, um, you know, to, to be able to experience that, uh, you know, a couple times a year that I'm able to, that we're able to get access, um, is really a, a great experience and, and something that, you know, a lot of people don't get, get to get to experience. So I, I don't take it for granted at all. What can you describe being on the court during that? I mean, during that presentation or I guess, um, remembrance of uh, Kobe and his daughter? I mean... Yeah, you, you know, it, it, it's kind of one of those things, though, Chris, when you're in the moment and I'm like, at, you know, I'm kind of working, you know? I'm kind of like, make, okay, is my shot good? You know, like, you, you don't really take in the whole moment until afterwards we were in the locker room and it had already been posted on Twitter. I mean, I think it, it was trending within minutes of, of the performance um, where you're like, oh, wow, that was really incredible, you know? And, um, you know, when you start to see the impact it had and people commenting and just, you know, the level of, of people that are back, you know, I'm going to say backstage, but, you know, at, at an all-star game who are coming up to her and telling her what an amazing performance it was. It's, it's really, it's really, you know, just cool to see it, obviously horrible, you know, it's like one of those things where you don't want to be there almost, you know, and it was the same situation when we were at the Super Bowl and, 2014 and she sang them so you know before the national anthem they sing america the beautiful and she had come out there with the sandy hook students um at the time and she sang america the beautiful with the sandy hook students and um you know it's like the moments are are huge moments but it's like we're there for these reasons that we wish we weren't didn't have to even be there in a way and so it's just being able to take all of that into uh, into account when it comes to again what she's asked to perform and what she's asked to deliver on at, at on the biggest stages that there are. That that has to be surreal as you're describing it. Um, she's going to kill it in this uh, in the movie coming up, the Aretha Franklin movie. Have you have you are you going to be part of any of the behind the scenes stuff for that? You know, in in like so when it comes to when she's doing, I'm going to call it you know obviously a motion picture, a network television show. 
you know, we don't really have access like that um, per se because those are really. I mean, I'm working for her. It'd be for it'd be technically her content, um, and so and you know, and she's working herself there. I mean, and she's part of a team, and to have me around just following her, you know, that's not really her style. Um, and so we try to do it more around events, you know, where, you know, like, like a musical performance or just events where we have, we know we can get access, um, without being a disruption to the overall production. What's the most, um, in, in terms of Aretha, I haven't been down there. I know they just wrapped, um, they shot in Atlanta, New York, and, and I want to say Detroit, don't quote me on that, but, um, you know, it's wrapped. And so I think it's going to be coming out this fall, which is going to be, um, you know, it, it it's. Again, she's asked to play Aretha Franklin. I mean, and, and she was chosen by Aretha Franklin before her death. She actually said, like, I want Jennifer Hudson to play me. And so, again, you know, you, you're, you're placed in these situations where, you know, you're just asked to deliver. Uh, deliver, And, you know, and, and that was a, a major motion picture where it's, you know, a lot of, a lot is going to be put into that. So it'll be, it will be fun to see the final product and see how it all comes out. That's absurd. Whenever you're, whenever you're doing these moment type events for her and you're documenting it, I mean, is there a one sentence takeaway of what you want to accomplish from your point of view? And those, events? yeah, I want to give, I want to give Jennifer a voice for her perspective because that's the beautiful thing that we're able to do these days is, you know, if we put something on her, on her social media platforms, it's from her perspective. And a lot of people see it from, uh, you know, a perspective on television and to also document process because, you know, just like any other piece you're doing, I mean, you can document a process and there's a process for a, a concert and people don't understand that, like, even last year we were in Philadelphia for a 4th of July concert and she was, we were in uh, somewhere, if you've ever been to uh, Philadelphia, there's about an hour and a half east there, it, I'm, I'm going to say it's like basically Amish country. And there's a huge studio out there that a lot of celebrities use to to perform. But she was out there three days before the performance, um, you know, just practicing with a band, getting everything down. And then, you know, you go to the performance itself. It starts raining. It's not raining. You know, it's like all the all the stuff that goes on behind because she's such a powerful voice. Right. Um, you know, there's there's a certain level of, of, of mixing on location that needs to be done because you're mixing in that situation, we were mixing her voice with her band with the uh, Philadelphia uh, Orchestra. And so that all has to come together, and, and that's a lot. And so just being able to document those processes, I think, are is what I would love for people to get away from watching some of the stuff that we've done over the years to see what all goes on behind the scenes because a lot of people just will never get to experience that. And because of technology these days, we can do it. I, I, I love that, and I love that podcasts are such a huge thing now and i love that netflix has made documentaries like cool and i love that you do have all that stuff because i think people as a whole kind of crave that right i mean don't get me wrong like there's a formula to a a cbs uh laugh track comedy series but at the same time like i think there's a level of and you, it pr it's proven out by uh, who watches netflix who listen to podcasts etc that that kind of content is super important and it's cool to be a part of, really. It's re like, I'm sure you pinch yourself sometimes in those situations where you're like, I'm getting to help craft a creative piece of work for, what, like you said, one of, if not the most talented voice of our generation. Like that, do you, do you ever do that? Do you ever step out and say, this is insane. I can't believe this is happening right now. I think you, 
you kind of are in the moment. And when you're in the moment, you're kind of working again. Like I'm thinking through, I'm not thinking, I'm thinking through what's the end product and what shots do I need to get to tell this story? Because if I don't, I know Jennifer's going to ask me, you know, did we get this? Did we get that? So I'm thinking kind of, you know, downstream what we need. And when you're in that, you know, but it's the same thing you would do on any, any production, any shoot you would do. And so um, afterwards, I think you, you step back, you take a moment, you're like, I'm severely fortunate to be just in this arena right now with her and what's going on and just the talent of people around her. And the reason she's been so successful is because she has a solid team around her. Um, and she has, you know, she's been through a lot. She's been through a lot in her life and a lot of tragedy. And I think that that's something that, you know, she she brings with her and, and just the, the, the presence she has and the, you know, she knows when we were at those Sandy Hook students, you know, the mother will come up and doesn't even say anything to her and starts crying. And it's just like, people know what she's been through and that makes her so much more in the moment of these situations that I, I don't think, you know, any other talent could really be at that present. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. In the, whether it's a sports event that you've been a part of or that you've snuck your way on to, or if it's an entertainment thing with her or an entertainment thing you've been a part of with other projects, have you been around one individual in these situations? Um, and maybe it's not even somebody that super famous. Maybe it's just somebody you know. Have you been around somebody that did make you stop and check out of the uh, work mode even for a second? Like, has there been... You've been around a lot of really interesting situations. So I wonder... If there has been that moment, you're like, oh my gosh, that's so-and-so and and they're doing whatever I'm seeing right now. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, you don't really know if they're ever going to see what you're doing because you're usually just on location with them. Right. Um, But, you know, all the way from, you know, I I just find people interesting in general. Like, I really think everybody has a story and whether it's an entrepreneur and, you know, you see somebody who's kind of coming up like this is their dream all the way to the CEO of like a publicly traded company. You know, you, you try to just take something away from that moment with those people because, um, you know, I've probably interviewed literally thousands and thousands of people like over the last 10 to 15 years. And, and you realize that when you give somebody a camera and let them talk, you know, it gives them a, a, a feeling of that they're being heard no matter what. And that's what's cool these days. Is it doesn't have to just be on the news. Um, you know, platform is platform and people can, can consume what people are are talking about these days. And that's why I think is really cool about what we get to do is we give people a voice no matter what. Um, and, you know, being able to go back to being a journalism major, you're able to, you know, kind of navigate conversations probably in a way that people that might come from more of a productions background don't have that um, background per se. Mm-hmm. No, that, that makes perfect sense. What about uh, upcoming projects? Anything insane that you're looking forward to? I mean, obviously just keeping the business up and running and, and taking care of your family and everything's all, always important, but anything on the horizon that uh, you're just absolutely floored about? I mean, you just, you just went to the all-star yeah. game and filmed your client singing about the late Kobe Bryant. That's pretty huge. So, you know, if, if that has just happened, yeah, correct me. Yeah. Um, I mean, we just have so much stuff. It's honestly, Chris, it's kind of a blur. I got to look at the calendar right now. Um, we were just, uh, we just got back from a shoot. Uh, in Western Illinois, late Wednesday night. So um, let me, 
let me answer that on Monday. <laughs> Perfectly fine. Uh, one more thing before uh, we wrap up, man. Have you had anything crazy? So I was part of this. I don't talk about it a ton because I thought it was going to be way different than it was. And it was a super cool experience. But there were we were in a helicopter a bunch and we were in Honduras and that we were filming like with the door open, flying over these jungles and stuff. And it was crazy. And then we we're also in Honduras where they're like, Hey, do you want the armored car option? Uh, those cameras and that stuff you guys are bringing around with you for this project. You're not really sure of that you're doing. Um, those are pretty valuable here. You could get jacked. Um, and they weren't, no one was being high, you know, hyper, uh, uh, nobody was crazy about what they were saying, but have you been in a situation where somebody's either, maybe it's people that are around and you're in just kind of the wild and it's the public acting up, or maybe it's just a super unruly client. Have you been in a situation where you're kind of, I don't even know if nervous is the right word, where you're just like, what is happening right now? I'm trying to film something and this is going out of control. Yeah. Two main things stick out. And actually one's with our friend, Julie, uh, when I was, went to Rio, Julie, uh, yeah. For a, for a project at the time when she was working at Waze and uh, we were doing a piece with the public. Uh, I, I, I know what you would equate it to, but kind of like in, in Rio de Janeiro, it would be like the public, um, the transportation commission, if you would. Yeah. And uh, we went up in a helicopter and drove around Rio to get shots uh, with the door open. And that, that was pretty, uh, that was pretty memorable. Uh, definitely for sure. Um, and then also, um, there was this shoot we did one time in this uh, small town in Illinois and um, there was this guy and I don't know if you've ever seen these, but they're kind of like uh, homemade planes almost. Oh, <laughs> they, this, oh, guy, this guy was like, wow. yeah, like they don't have, um, it's not like a, it's like, it's like a basically a bicycle with a propeller that can go up about a thousand feet in the air. There's no doors or anything like that. And uh, my client, who was also my really good friend, I was like, and I had three other guys with me, and I, you know, the client, his client asked, I was like, okay, let's just do this. And because the pilot was this guy who had like flown in Vietnam and everything, and, he, you know, as we're going there, you like take off on this grassy, like basically like a, a grassy field, and you get up there pretty quick, and you hit a little bit of wind, and your stomach just drops, like it, it's nothing compared to like, like it's like turbulence in a in a, a commercial airplane is like amateur hour compared to this thing. You were in, but um, yeah, we got yeah. I was filming outside this outside. Um, I thought you were and I, him flying around in it. Oh no, no, I went in it with him because we need to get some aerials of this town. This is before drones, you know. Like this was like you know like eight years ago, yeah. and uh, I just kind of put my faith that this guy had flown in Vietnam and he knew what he was doing, and you know, obviously it was okay. But that was pretty memorable. Um, and then also going into foreign countries is like really not an easy task with equipment. Um, I've always made sure that we have a car, you know, always make sure you have a carnet, always make sure you have everything documented. One time we went to Canada without a carnet into Toronto and that was not a good situation. Um, but we got through thankfully, but, um, just again, to running a production company, just always being prepared and, and planning for, you know, situations because, um, you know, there's just so much stuff that can come up when you're on location. But um, anything, again, to your point, plane, air, helicopter, fake, homemade plane related is definitely something that's going to stick out. I always wonder, and like just one, and I'm very limited compared to you, obviously, but um, 
just out of curiosity, and I, I watch a lot of like you know the nature shows and stuff like that. I don't I don't know what the hell those guys what what they're thinking. Like lions don't ki this isn't war where there's like <laughs> in war at least like there's like a somewhat of an agreement like okay we're not going to kill the journalists right. But like if you're out in the wild like a lion doesn't you know they don't care if you have a camera or not. Like you think of, I I think about that every time and maybe a little off subject but I'm that's a whole other mindset. Isn't it? That's a whole other mindset too. I mean, th those are people that, you know, there's a certain level of dedication to the craft that people like that, you know, that's almost like a calling. I, I, I watched a thing the other night um, with a, a, a videographer. They were doing things on uh, a, a huge documentary on cenotes in, in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's one thing to be traveling in a cenote and, and these guys are kind of like exploring, you know, and cenotes are basically like underground rivers, um, in Mexico, and it's like this whole like dynamic network that you can, it, you know, it's really, it's really cool. I, I, my wife and I just recently went to a couple while we were in uh, Tulum, and it's really amazing. And then you know, this woman was a videographer underwater, so like, not only is she doc, you know, the, are these guys going to unknown underwater rivers and caverns? But now she's doing it with a huge camera and having to document this, and and you got to kind of think to your point, like. Who's the person that's actually filming this? Because somebody has to technically be proficient in this type of, of production to make sure that, because they're not going to get another shot at this. No. And um, again, it's just about being prepared, understanding process and knowing, your, knowing you know, what are your, what's your troubleshooting going to look like? Can you troubleshoot in a situation versus like, I think everything's going to go 100% as planned because if you think that you're you're wrong from off the jump <laughs> so, so um, that's what i would kind of my takeaway would be from that on that note i just talked to uh, a guy named ben westoff and he just put out a book called fentanyl inc and uh he's been everywhere it's a big big time book he's done he's he's put out several other books as well but he's a journalist and <laughs> he embedded or he went undercover i say embedded he went undercover in china to a fentanyl factory and told them he was a drug dealer and just went in and got the whole scoop on everything. And I'm talking to the guy and I'm just like, what? He lost a friend to that a long time ago. So he has some personal motivation, but it's being motivated from the point of he's a journalist and wants to tell the story. Like it's, I, I don't know why I felt the need to share with that with you, but I feel like it relates in some way. No, I mean, it's a dedication to, it's, you know, that's the main thing is just understanding, you know, the, like the art of journalism will never die. I mean, you're always going to have passionate, passionate people out there who want to tell particular stories and, you know, they find the avenue to do so. And, and you know, when you're that dedicated to it, you're going to, you're going to feel it's almost like a calling to, to make sure that this is told and, and whatever platform it is told on these days is what it is, but at least it's out there in the ether. And I think that, um, you know, the more people continue that and can be find ways to be funded, um, you know, and that's a whole other discussion, but, you know, I think that, you know, you're never going to see that ending, you know, just as you said with podcasting, I mean, it's, it's, it's never, you're never going to run out of stories to tell. You're never going to run out of, um, record lessons. You're never going to run out of thought leadership content, uh, that can be developed. And so that's why I think it's, it, it, you know, while some people are, are, you know, look at the future as somewhat, you know, mixed and muddied. I think it's just, you know, continue to put out the best content will win. And I don't know the, the longevity of you've seen it already in our kind of, in our, you know, you saw vines, you saw, 
um, you know, TikTok now, which I have some certain opinions on, um, just in terms of actual data collection and, and auditing of all their numbers. Um, yeah. but, uh, but again, far be it from the, that company to, or from where, I don't know. I, I, I had a guy and this is, has nothing to do with the guy, but it's more on me being like, I don't know what to do with this. I had a guy who wants to do some work with us and he's super talented young guy and has a really positive message. But either way, he has a TikTok thing, uh, video that has like a million hits. He's like, and I was like, I don't know what to tell you. Like I, I was like, I, I'm starting to figure out YouTube. I was like, I, and, and it, it was interesting. And I, I'm curious since you brought it up, if it is going to be a viable, it's already a thing. Obviously you have celebrities. Oh, 100%, 100%. But, but you just look at like the amount of, like, I always think if it's too good to be true. It usually is. So you can ride a quick wave that can, can, but like the longevity, I think is always going to be in storytelling. It just is. And, and the, the more work you put into it, like you said, your friend that are the contact the person you're talking to went all the way to China, like the, in, the output will equal the input. So if your input is a 12 second lip sync video, the output might be really, you know, really quick and really big, but what's the longevity and sustainability in that? And that's not like an old man, but, um, I, I don't know, you know, hi history will show, but, um, you know, if you look at the people on YouTube that have really, you know, it's been a lot of work. It's a lot of input. It's a lot, you know, whether you're doing cooking content, whether you're doing what you guys are doing down there, all the work that you guys put into it. And, you know, it's a lot easier when people are showing up, not easier, but, you know, if you're a radio host in 19 and you're out, you know, and you have a, a team of producers around you now, you know, where, you know, everything is a lot more um, niche. Everything is a lot more, uh, you know, the pie is divided up a lot. And so, you know, for people that put the work in, there will be an output. And, and I'm just not sure if, if, you know, how much that's going to resonate with, with people that are kind of, you know, of the quick hit social media dopamine generation. <laughs> we'll see. Who knows? As we see, uh, is, is anybody, when's the last time somebody earnestly brought up Snapchat? Like, I don't know. I, I think that's... Uh, Snapchat, yeah. I mean, it's, but, but I mean, that that's kind of, um, you know, to my point, it's, you're going to see these, these platforms that focus on short form, more viral type stuff, um, don't, I don't know if they win in the long run. You know, I think, um, still pretty new. Yeah. Like in the grand scheme of things right? so in, in the grand, yeah. In, in, um, you know, also too, if you look at YouTube, just to, you know, not to harp too much on it, but if you look back, YouTube won. like there were like seven or eight video sharing platforms when we first started and YouTube won. And, um, I can't really, you know, That'd be a whole other discussion on why YouTube won, but but you find that like the platforms that allow for the the most creativity to be displayed sometimes, if I can put it that way, or allow the most variance because even for like you know as a content creator, we're also limited by the platforms who say your video has to be 15 seconds, it has to be two what what's Twitter 220, um, Instagram was 60 seconds, now they're longer. LinkedIn is 10 minutes uh, for natively uploaded videos. And YouTube was always like, you can upload whatever you want. And so I think that if you look at that type of, and, and why podcasting is winning is because there's really, you know, there's not a, a podcast platform that says you can only have a five minute podcast, you know? Right, right, right. So I think that if you look at it from a strategy like that, um, I do also think too, you know, as we move forward, you know, just be careful though, because if you look at like, you know, how to videos, think about that 10 years ago, where it's like, wow, you can do a how to video on anything and, and it'll be amazing. Where now, 
anything I want to know is there's a how-to video for it. So that, that, that vertical of video content might have become mature. So it's always just thinking about what's the next step of, of content that will resonate. And again, it goes back to the stuff that's harder to produce. I mean, it just is. And, and that's why he has the, the best experience for the viewers. And that's why you've seen cereal be huge. Um, uh, you know, like you said, all these like major, all this stuff that is kind of gone mainstream or jump the shark per se from niche platform to everybody knows about it have been based around a lot of work being put into it. Great point. Wise words, Thatcher. Uh, before you get out of here, predictions on uh, your Chicago Cubs this season. Well, Chris, it's really hard to predict if I don't know if I'm going to watch the games. <laughs> because the marquee network hasn't really been off to like a – I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it's on Hulu. I probably need to search around a little bit. Right. But um, I think when it comes to the field, I think we're maybe – third place between first and third place this year. Um, I think that no matter what, we'll, we'll pull it together. I think the Chris Bryant situation uh, needs to be really sorted out. I don't think what they did this year was a good look for the organization um, in terms of that. Weird or like, that's well, it was, it was his, it was the contract, the, the rookie year contract stipulation where like he didn't get that first year kind of. And so, um, you know, there was some, Chris Bryant was really trying to, you know, stand up for players and take a stand, which was great for the players. Um, but I, I think there, there might be some lingering repercussions and not, you know, they're not going to say there's bad blood, but I, I would be irked if I was Chris Bryant, given all that he's done in his short career so far to the organization and combined with, uh, you know, it's going to come down to pitching again. I think him, Rizzo, Baez, you know, they're, they're going to be electric no matter what. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I think your Cardinals got a good shot, but you know, probably comes probably first place though. Oh, of course. I mean, why wouldn't they be with David Ross at the helm? Huge, uh, huge get. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like trying not to blind myself here throughout it's this interview. Fun, it's, like, <laughs> it's been fun watching the clouds, the clouds pass by. There we go. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, perfect. Uh, Thatcher, how could people uh, check out Taste Media Group's work, man? This has been a great conversation. We'll have to do it again, too. Yeah, hold on one second before I blind myself. This is like the major payoff, right? Um <laughs> No, I, I, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, so tastemediagroup.com uh, on Instagram, backslash Taste Media Group, Facebook, Taste Media Group, everything. Uh, you can always call us directly, 312-523-5408. We can step in at any level of production you need. Um, maybe, you know, whether it's just field production, editing, graphics, we'll just help be an execution partner on your side and, and get you what you need. Love it. Thatcher, keep up the great work, man. Congratulations on all the success. Tell Jay Hud what's up. I will. I will, Chris. Thank you. Yeah, you be sure to do that. See you, buddy. Have a good one, bud. We are live, live, live.